Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? We doing good? Yeah. I bet we're doing even better after that wonderful game last night, right? And just in case there's any Texas fans, I just wanted to give you a symbol, you know, to let you know how great last night was. <laughs> anyway, it's all fun, right? But as you're seated this morning, our, uh, most of us, how many has ever experienced uh, what happens to motorists when one of those huge graders goes to work on a highway repair job? You know what I'm talking about? You come up and there's this guy and he's holding a sign. Don't you love that? And it says stop. Why? Because it's a two-lane highway and they're fixing one side of the road and so they're running everybody down. We did this when we went to camp. This, we went to kids camp this past summer. They were working in between Meeker and Chandler. They were working uh, on the road there. And we had to wait and wait and wait. And you know how you see a few cars come, and then you won't see any cars, and then you'll see a few more cars come, and then you won't see any cars, and you're like, man, when are they going to let us go? When's our turn, right? And you just have to wait on it. And, uh, and so when that machine's operating on a busy road, traffic is just stalled for a little while, right? And a veteran operator of one of those big machines, he decided one day to, to, to try to relieve the tension that inevitably results from such a traffic backup. So what he did was on both the front and the rear of his grader, a sign appears now that declares the road to happiness is almost always under construction. (laughs) There's some truth to that, right? There is some truth to that in this statement. You know, we sometimes wonder... Does God want me to be happy? Does God want me to be happy? Can I answer that quest for you, question for you by saying yes, absolutely, except God doesn't just want you to be happy. He wants you to be crazy happy, okay? And I'm going to explain what crazy happy is. Let me just tell you where we're going to be at. If you, if you uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading here in a little bit in verse 3. But we're going to start this new series called Crazy Happy. And here's the thought that I want to talk to you about for the next few weeks. God really wants you to be happy. But God's plan for happiness, it's found in unexpected or crazy places. Everybody say crazy. Come on, you can do better than that. Everybody say crazy. Crazy. Exactly, crazy. So let's look at our Bibles. Let's see what Matthew says. Matthew chapter 5. I want to begin at verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wait a second. That's kind of an odd definition of being blessed, isn't it? This is the beginning of Jesus' most famous sermon, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the verses that I have just read to you is known as the Beatitudes. Maybe you're thinking, maybe you're wondering, maybe you've never really understood, but what is a Beatitude? And I believe in order to answer this, we need to start with the word that maybe you are probably more familiar with. Have you ever heard the word benediction? A benediction is the utterance or bestowing of a blessing, especially at the end of a religious service. You know, whenever they have like a special service, a few years ago I was privileged and honored of doing the, the veterans uh, service, a prayer time, the, 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 uh, and the, the end prayer. The end prayer is known as the benediction. It's the end. It's a blessing that you bestow upon the crowd as they are getting ready to leave or depart from that service. The standard Old Testament benediction is the Aaronic, uh, Aaron, Aaronic blessing found in Numbers chapter 6. Verses 24 and 26, it is, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Maybe you've heard that one before. What was referred to as a benediction in the Old Testament was sometimes called a beatitude in the New Testament. To understand the beatitudes, we need to understand a bit about the form they take. They are what are known as oracles. A famous oracle from ancient Greece was known as the Oracle of Delphi. And this was a woman, a priestess at the temple of Apollo, who would look into the future and read the fortunes of kings and generals as they prepared for battle. She was called an oracle an oracle because she delivered a message from the gods. Uh, she was a conduit for divine revelation. This was during the ancient Greece times. In the Old Testament, the prophets of Israel were agents of revelation. They did not speak their own message or express their own opinions, but they prefaced their teaching with the phrase, thus says the Lord. They delivered a pronouncement from God. God said to Jeremiah that he would put his word into his mouth and Ezekiel had to swallow the bitter scroll that became sweet to his taste because it was the word of God. In the Old Testament, there were two kinds of oracles. Oracles of will, which were announcements of prosperity or divine benevolence, and oracles of woe which were pronouncements of doom or judgment. An example is found in Amos chapter 6, verse 1. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. You notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. 
Jesus used this as a part of his prophetic role. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. The opposite oracle, an oracle of will, is, was preferenced by the word blessed. The Beatitudes are a series of just this kind of oracle. Jesus was delivering the word of God to define the new covenant, the new situation that came to pass pass with his appearance. So now that we know more about a beatitude, let's continue with the thought. Does God want us to be happy? Think about that for just a moment. Does God want me to be happy? I've already answered this. The answer is yes. So my first question is what is happy? My first point is what is happy? Some people think happiness is in relationships or stuff or success or whatever else that you may think will make you happy. But can I tell you this morning, true happiness is only found in the Lord. Amen? Psalm 144 verse 15 says... And I use the New King James Version. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Other translations use the word blessed for happy. The word blessed actually means made happy by God. Uh, Followers of Christ are happy people because they follow Christ. Happiness should always be an ever-present part of of our lives and not only that but the pursuit of happiness is an act of worship when we are laying our lives down for Jesus excuse me when the one true god is our lord we are happy people amen amen turn to your neighbor and say i'm happy that was weak say i'm happy There you go. But some of you may be thinking, when I pursue happiness, why is it that I sometimes end up no happier than when I started? Some of you say, amen. (laughs) And to answer that question, I believe we have to ask this question. How does Jesus define happiness? Think about the culture that we live in today. We're constantly bombarded with things that supposedly make us happy, right? We think, I'll be happy if I just get a raise or a new job, amen? Or, I'll be happy if I get into a relationship. Or how about this one? I'll be happy if I just lose some weight. (laughs) Or, I'll be happy if my beloved hogs win a football game. But we're constantly finding ourselves on a happiness-seeking hamster wheel. You ever watch them little hamsters just run their little legs legs off? I mean, they're just getting after it, aren't they? I mean, they're just just trucking it in that wheel. Just If you've ever had, I've never had a hamster, thank goodness, because I don't like rats, y'all. He's like, it's not a rat, it's a hamster. No, it's a rat. That's all there is to it. 
But you ever watch that thing, if you've ever had one, and you just hear that wheel going, because that thing's just in there. He's just, I mean, he's just getting it. Is he not? And where's he going? He's going nowhere. It's not getting him anywhere. But he is going after it, and he's going as fast as his little legs will let him go. And he's enjoying himself, and he's having the time of his life, but he's not going anywhere. And sometimes we are constantly finding ourselves on a happiness-seeking hamster wheel. And no matter how fast we run, we're not going anywhere. Amen? God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah about this same thing. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spirit of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You see, we all try to create our own versions of happiness. And that's what it means by dug their own cisterns. We all have ideas about what happiness is and how it works and how we try to make it happen. But the problem is our self-made ideas about happiness are broken. Amen? They are cisterns that cannot hold water. And to make matters worse, in our desire to dig our own cisterns, we also forsake God in the process. And here's the thing that we need to understand. God is a fountain of living water. I like to think about God as a river, the Holy Spirit as a river. What happens to a pond after it sits there too long? It gets stagnant. You ever seen a pond when it turns over? Because it sat there for so long, what happens? The fish die, don't they? And they come to the top. They're dead. Why? Because it's something in the, I don't understand the whole science of it, but something in that pond kills the fish. But see, Jesus, he's a fountain of living water. It's a constant river that's flowing. It never stops. It never runs dry. It's constantly moving. It's constantly going. I've never, now I know if I went farther up the river that I could see parts of the Arkansas River that were dry. I understand that. But I'm saying out here, I've never seen this river run dry. Has it? Does anybody know that it's ever run dry? No, because it's constantly flowing. It's constantly moving. The power of the Holy Spirit is constantly moving in our lives. And we want to make sure that we get a part of that river, get a part of that fountain, let it flow through our lives so that we can be who God wants us to be and understand that that's the only place that we're ever going to find true happiness is in the living water of God. Amen? And whenever we come to a place where we're creating those broken cisterns and we're searching for happiness in the wrong places, we have to turn back to the Lord and let him lead us into happiness. Amen? So how does Jesus define happiness? We read it a few minutes ago. Can we look at our text one more time? I want to read it to you one more time. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for their 
theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, many of the modern translations, they use the word happy at the start of every verse. It is the Greek word makarios. It is commonly translated as blessed. The blessed person is the happy person. Amen? Happiness is not about what we do, but it is about who we are in Jesus. And Jesus leads us into the blessed life. Amen? It's so important that we understand how Jesus defines happiness. He doesn't say what we expect. Think about this. Think about the places that he says happiness is found. He says it's places, it's places like humility and sadness and meekness and mercy. I mean, that's not what we think of when we think of happiness, is it? I mean, how many of us, if I told you, said, I'm going to give you a million dollars, how many of you would be happy? <laughs> Yeah, man, I could spend a million bucks. But how long is that happiness going to last? Is it going to last for all eternity? Because what, what happens when the money's gone? It's gone. You know, I don't have stat. I didn't, I didn't even think about this at the time I was putting this message together. But you ever, you've seen those stories of people that win the lottery. What do they do? They go out, they spend all their money, and then, then what? They're flat broke. They're actually worse off than when they won the lottery. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't play the lottery. I mean, that's, you know, I probably shouldn't, but, you know, that's between you and God and, and whoever else. But my point is this. The people that a lot of times they think possessions or they think stuff or, or things or relationships or, or all these material things they think will make them happy doesn't necessarily make them happy happy Jesus said humility sadness meekness mercy and that's why we can refer to a life with Christ as the crazy happy life right I mean this is crazy stuff do we think of this as something that's just normal but see here's the cool thing when a person is crazy happy there's something extraordinary that happens what happens comes to my third thing the blessed person bears much fruit you see God desires for us to bear much fruit John chapter 15 verse 8 this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples You see, the main characteristic of a disciple of Christ is to bear fruit. When our lives bear the fruit of the crazy happy life, we know God is glorified in our lives. So what is the fruit God wants us to bear? You ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? You notice that I said fruit, not fruits, because they all go together. They're not separate things. You can't have love and not have joy. You can't bear just self-control and not joy. They all go together. 
So what is the fruit that God wants? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we simply respond to Jesus, the Spirit of God brings an amazing harvest in our lives. Amen? I planted a garden this year. Y'all heard me talk about this. And I planted, see, what did I plant? I planted some purple whole peas, planted some green beans, watermelon. I did some uh, peppers, some okra, squash, tomatoes. Huh? Oh, I planted one cantaloupe plant. You know what worked? Watermelon. Nothing else in my garden did very well this year. Okra did okay. My pea, purple whole peas did good. But those were pretty much it. Uh, I made a decision this year. I said, next year, I'm just going to put a bunch of watermelon plants, see what happens, right? And uh, let me tell you something, man. I've still got watermelon out there. This thing has not stopped producing. I think I've already picked four that have been good. I've got like four more or six more. I don't know. There's a whole bunch. Every time I go out there, there's another one that's coming on, you know. And, uh, and it's, since it's fixing to start getting a little cooler, who knows? It might really come on or it might die. Don't know, but all I know is I have had an abundance of watermelon, a harvest. The purple whole peas did pretty good. We had a pretty good abundance of them, and, and, and so there are a few things. And, and you know, it's fun when there's a harvest. It's fun when there's an abundance. My watermelon are growing crazy in my garden. The harvest is amazing. It's fun watching them grow. How you can go out there one day and see this little bitty fruit. And then the next day, this thing has grown to like three or four times its size overnight. And then you come out there another day and this thing is now, you know. And then when you try to pick this thing up when it's time to cut it and you're picking it up and you're like, man, this thing's 25 pounds. There's just something that's enjoyable about seeing a harvest and, and, and they're good to eat, amen? But I believe the harvest that God brings in our life is just like my garden at home. The harvest in our life is full of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And when this happens, our lives take on the beautiful qualities that we desire and we find ourselves fulfilled and truly happy, amen? We need harvest in our life. We need God to do some amazing things. Can I say this again? God wants us to be happy. Amen? God wants us to be crazy happy. And when you and I realize that God wants us to be happy and that the Lord has already shown us the way to happiness, we can begin the journey. Amen? I want you to imagine, if you will, what would our lives look like if we followed Jesus into the crazy happy life? How different would your experiences be? Now I know that I want to be happy. And I want you to be happy. I want us to walk on this journey together. And for the next few weeks, we're going to experience this crazy happy life together. I don't want you to miss where God's taking us. You know... Study the Beatitudes. Take some time.
Take some moments. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. I want you to read it this week. I want you to understand. Then I want you to, and if you got some commentaries, go and look at it for yourself. I want you to study. I want you to understand how God wants you to be happy. And I want you to understand what he wants to do in your life. Because when you just read through it and you just look at it and you think, man, meek? Uh, you know, some people say, I always heard that somebody that was meek is just weak. <laughs> That's not true. It's not what God's word says. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. But I want us to look at <coughs> what God wants to do in our life. God wants us to be happy. God wants, us to, God wants to do some amazing things like we've never seen before, like we've never experienced before. And understand, God loves his people. And God wants the best for his people. That's why when he says, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he means it. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Do those things sound like somebody that's happy? In our physical minds, they don't, do they? But can I tell you that God has something far greater than we could ever imagine? And these are a formula. I believe these are something that we can put into our life and we understand true happiness when we understand these so here's what's going to happen next week and the week that follows we're going to look at the beatitudes a little closer we're going to dig in deeper into the beatitudes and then the third and final week of this series we are going to look at the fruit that needs to be produced in our life and how it needs to come out And I truly believe that at the end of this series, I believe that you will be able to experience crazy, happy life. I want to live a crazy, happy life. I want to be happy. I want true happiness. I want the happiness that God has for me. Happiness is not found in material possessions. Happiness is not found in relationships. I know that we we love one another and hanging out with one another and doing things together, and and that's part of life. And and I'm not saying there's there's anything wrong with with material things or uh, having uh, uh, relationships, but those aren't the things that make us happy. God has something far greater that will make us happy, and we need to pursue that happy life, that crazy, happy life. Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you that we can come here today. God, if there's anybody here that's not happy, I want them to experience this crazy, happy life.
this life that you have for us. It's a life that we maybe never even thought or imagined or even inspired to have a part of us. But true happiness is only found in the relationship that we have with you. There's nothing that this world has to offer that can make us happy. Happiness is, comes in, in unusual places. It comes in, in crazy places. And you want us to make those a part of our life. That we walk in the plans and in the ways that you have for us. God, we want to experience that crazy happy life. It's only found in you. And I give you praise and I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just worship him this morning? Can we just take a moment and just worship him this morning? God is so good. He loves us. He cares for us. Let's worship him. Spirit of Lord is there is freedom where the Spirit of Lord is there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. If you lift your eyes to Jesus, there is freedom. If you lift your eyes to Jesus, there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace 
falling on every face there is freedom freedom reigns in this place showers of mercy and grace falling on every face there is freedom if you're tired and thirsty this morning if you're tired and you're thirsty there is freedom If you're tired and you're thirsty, there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face there is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom hallelujah Lord oh we praise you Lord where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we pray. There is freedom. Yes, hallelujah. Can you just worship him right now? Just right where you're at. God, we just thank you. We just thank you for taking us on this journey. We want to experience the happy life. And that is what we want from you. We we want that happiness that's only found in you. And we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to, uh, our ushers will be at the back of the sanctuary um, to receive your tithes and your offerings. And I want to present two opportunities for you this morning. First, we are, for the next couple of months, we're going to be talking about Speed the Light. And we'd like for you to help us reach our goal of $2,000. You can mark an envelope or give online to Speed the Light. And then number two, the Hope Campus we found out this week is in need of water, bottled water. And if you'd like to help us give water to Hope Campus, you can give to that and we will go purchase the water, take it to them. And all you got to do is just give. And so you can mark your envelope water, and we will make sure that it goes to this project. Again, let me say thank you for your faithfulness. We have, in my opinion, one of the greatest churches around. And I want to say thank you to everybody for your faithfulness. And I'm looking forward to this next several weeks. You know, we've got several things coming up. We've got... Um, just to, before we dismiss, we have a fishing derby coming up October 23rd. 
It's going to be at Wells Lake this year here in Fort Smith. Uh, so it's going to be a big event. We need everybody that can help. If you'd like to help, you can see David Lawson, and uh, he'll be happy to tell you what job or jobs that, we, he, that you could do. And then also, don't forget youth service tonight at 6 o'clock. And we have other events coming up that we'll be giving you more details on uh, closer to time. But y'all have a wonderful week. We meet here on Wednesday nights at 7, and we'd love to have you here. Uh, we have uh, activities for all the all ages of girls and boys in the back, teenagers, and uh, lots going on with Royal Rangers and Girls Ministries. Royal Rangers went yesterday on, a, on an outing and uh, got to uh, forge some steel, metal, iron. I don't know what all it was, but uh, I saw some pictures, and uh, so that was neat watching that. And then uh, there's lots of stuff happening, lots of stuff going on. And so if you're missing Wednesday nights, you need to be here, be a part. So can we pray over this offering? Lord, we just give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor.